Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Hello, Patrick, and welcome back. What's up, Jeff? Says the guy that was actually gone. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what do you mean, welcome back? I didn't go anywhere. (laughs) You stay stay pretty local. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I wish I could say the same. Actually, no, I don't. I'm glad I could say that that we didn't. Um, How are you? Pretty good. Yeah. Um, Last week was all right, but the last two days work was kind of crazy. You know, full moon stuff. Oh, yeah. That will happen. Yeah. Unfortunately. Amazing how true it is. Yes, indeed. Let's go nuts. We are slaves to the moon and the tides <laughs> and the magnetic nice. fields and whatnot. As, as discovered in Moonfall. Mm. <laughs> uh, still not, I still have no frame of reference, thankfully. <laughs> As long as Uh, this world doesn't get crazy like things in that universe, we'll be okay. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I'm down with that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, for those that that did not know or were unaware, uh, for spring break, uh, I took, me and the missus took the kids to California for spring break. Sprint spent three days in Los Angeles and three days in San Diego. We got to visit uh, Ruth's uh, niece, Morgan, and her, uh, meet her husband, Greg, and their their little boy, uh, Teddy, or Theodore, um, named after Theodore Roosevelt. They're big uh, national parks people. So, you know, since Teddy Roosevelt started the national parks way back when, uh, they named their son Teddy after him, so I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, no, but we had a great, we had an out, I don't not a great time. We had an outstanding time. Um, other than just the long air flights, you know, all in all, pretty good time. Stayed at the Magic Castle Hotel that uh, you can get basically you name a candy or potato chip. Well, not a potato. You can name a candy and also chips and popcorn and go up to the front desk, ask for whatever, and they just hand it to you. They do not charge you, does not show up on your bill. It's all part of the package. Nice. If you're at the pool, which is a heated pool, thank goodness, because it was 50-something degrees in the morning and the evening, um, 70s, low 70s during the day, most of our trip, uh, you can – there's a – Red telephone, you pick it up, and it's the Popsicle hotline. So someone, a staff member comes out with a, like a serving tray with pop, with different flavor Popsicles for you to choose from. Also free. Part of the, and it's cute because, I mean, it's awesome, but it's like the, uh, it looks like it used to be an old apartment complex from like the 50s or 60s. Uh, it's two blocks away from Hollywood Boulevard. You know, we walked to Grauman's Chinese Theater and walked around there. Uh, we didn't even have to drive, thank goodness, because there's really no place to park uh, along that area. But, yeah, we – we uh, it was a pretty cool um, experience. Walked, like I said, we did Grauman's, which was just amazing, just walking around, seeing 
you know, actors and actresses footprints from and handprints from, you know, 70 years ago, 70 plus years ago. And just kind of being there. You're not, it's going to sound hokey, but you can still kind of feel their presence because you're, you're looking at those impressions and then you're in the, in your brain, you're going, your, your brain is going back and flashing back to all their movies that you have watched of theirs. Right. And it's, it's just such an experience. Um, <clears throat> you know, and this is no secret. I got, when we came across the Abbott and Costello one, I legit got emotional because, you know, I've had watched this duo from, you know, younger than Yorick, you know, and just being in reading and listening and watching all of their, you know, all of their art. And then just being there and just wishing that, you know, I kind of wished my mom and my grandfather could have been there to experience it too, to share that with them. I mean, I was happy I was got to share it with my kids, but it's not going to mean as much to them as it would be, as it would for the, the other two. And, you know, I, and I got emotional and apparently my hand is the same size as Lou Costello's, but my feet are the same size as James Stewart's, which is very, or no, Cary Grant's, I mean, so that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, and of course, you know, it was perfect timing for us to go because what is literally like littered around on billboards, the Batman. What's playing at Grandma's Chinese Theater, the Batman giant tapestry poster just hanging. And it's just, yeah. it was awesome. One of the things I absolutely enjoyed when we were driving around town is that you don't see, you're not seeing alcohol smoking or any sort of billboards, you know, advertising, just stuff like that, or even political, you know, or like either pro-choice or pro-life uh, billboards or anything like anything of that type of thing. It's where do we just movie posters? <laughs> it's just all that's around movie or TV shows. Yeah. And I was there for it. I'm like, this is what we need everywhere. It's just, I mean, I, <clears throat> I kept being reminded because Morbius is on, Bus stop billboards is <laughs> on actual billboards on the side. Of, I'm like, I don't like those have been there since <laughs> those have been there since last March. <laughs> they don't have a release date on it either. Do it. Uh, I think I did see one that actually had the April 1st release date. So it must've been a more recent. Yeah. <laughs> or at least an updated, they at least updated that part, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's awesome. And you know, we, we uh, so Friday was just us kind of going around Hollywood Boulevard and doing that whole experience. Um, then we went head, uh, you know, went head in and out for dinner. The line was kind of like a Whataburger line here, um, but it moved really fast, and they were pretty efficient. So the kids were so tired. York fell asleep in the car. We got back. He went straight to bed and did not even eat his dinner. Because, you know, it was like 7, 8 o'clock, but that's West Coast time, which meant it was like 10 o'clock here. True. So he was he was knocked out. And Grayson ate a little bit of her food, and then she knocked out. And we had all been up since, well, I'd been up since 2 that morning. Um, but they had been up since about 3.50. Yeah. And then, you know, to get on the plane to head out there. So it, it had a long day. Saturday, we... Uh, 
who did the Warner Brothers tour, studio tour. Uh, you know, they put you on a tram and you get to ride around. They show you different sets from TV shows. So they had, you know, stuff from Friends, Big Bang Theory, Gilmore Girls, some newer show called All American, which I had never heard of. Um, and I forgot what else, but it was really cool. And then they showed you, you know, and they also had stuff that was still left over from some movies back in the 40s and 50s. They had one building that was still left over from Casablanca. They had a house that was used for uh, John Wayne's last movie, The Shootist. And they still had the Growing Pains house. So the Sears. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we toured a stage set or a stage uh, of Bob Loeb's, I think it's Abolasha Abel, Abel or Abel, Abishola. That's what it is. Abishola. Bob Loeb's Abishola, which is the guy that played Mike from Mike and Molly. It's his new show, uh, which I have never I've heard, I'd vaguely heard of, but I've never watched. And But we got to walk through the set, so it was cool for the kids to see what a set looks like and that a soundstage has like multiple rooms. It's not like just one room. It's it has like the it has like five or six different set pieces on one soundstage. So uh, it was cool for everybody to experience. And outside each soundstage, they have a uh, they have like a giant plaque of what would have been shot there in the past, which is really cool. And. <clears throat> And after that was over, you get off the tram, you go in this building, and it has this, uh, it has, like, the Central Perk coffee shop. It has different set pieces from, like, Friends. And then it has uh, this kind of, not really a museum, but, you know, it's a thing you walk through, an exhibit. There we go. Uh, where you go walk through, see different costumes from different movies. They had the... They had Jordan's uh, uh, Space Jam uh, outfit. They had LeBron's Space Jam outfit. So Grayson was all about that. <clears throat> they had different like uh, comic book, not comic book, cartoon, Warner Brother cartoon, uh, Winnie Tune cartoon, like comic book cells or not comic book cells uh, from when they you know make the cartoons. Mm-hmm. Like the original ones, original sketches, all in this case. They had some costumes and different things from the set, uh, from the movie Star Wars Born. Uh, They had some from Crazy Rich Asians, My Fair Lady. They had the piano, Sam's piano from Casablanca, which is a lot. It's about the size of my desk, which is not very big. Uh, It's a lot smaller than I thought. I knew it wasn't big because he was rolling around everywhere. But it's even it looked even smaller than I thought. And it was pink with like some flower design on it, which you wouldn't know because it's a black and white film. But I thought that was interesting. And then like they had two different set things where you can get your picture taken on this couch, you know, the friend's couch uh, from Central Perk, I think, or the apartment. I don't remember. And then, uh, you know, the set from Big Bang Theory, which, of course, I used to watch Friends, but I haven't watched him forever. Yeah. N- never gone on, never could get into Big Bang Theory. The laugh track was just so much that it 
really took me out of the show. Like I just can, that just didn't, it wasn't for me. It just wasn't for me. It should be, it should definitely be for me because there's a lot of book, a lot of comic book humor in it, but I just didn't get into it. Then they also had uh, a thing where you could ride either a broomstick, like a quick, uh, like a Nimbus 2000 uh, thing, or the Batpod, the you know the motorcycle from from uh, the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, and you could have your picture taken on it and all that. The line was too long; it was taken. I just didn't feel like doing. It. I was just like we got other stuff we need to do, and uh, so then after you get through all that. They take you on a another shuttle, takes you back to the main uh, Warner Brothers building, and they have a full Justice League, uh, DC Comics or DC movie uh, area where it's all the costume. They had a lot of costumes from Wonder Woman '84, which still cool to look at, but whatever. Yeah. Um, they had the tumbler from the Nolan Dark Knight series. They had almost every batman costume i think they didn't have kilmer's or clooney's but otherwise they had every batman suit there and uh and the new one they didn't have anything from the new one um but they but they had the entire justice league uh costumes there they had uh, the outfits from man of steel aquaman and then they also had another bat pod they had a that plane as well that you get you know have your pictures taken with and all that so all that was really really exciting for me and really neat to look at and be that close to and just kind of look at the detail work to on it you know it's really cool then once you move from there oh they also had uh in one central area they had the keaton batman the christopher reeve superman and the Linda Carter Wonder Woman costumes all in one thing. So it's like the OG Justice League or Trinity, yeah. I guess. Uh, which that was pretty amazing. And once you move from there, you go to the Harry Potter interactive experience. So you can have your picture taken in Harry Potter's like little closet area that his yeah. room there. Uh, there's a spot where you can get your picture taken where they are uh, like the letters from Hogwarts are all flying in to the Dursley's house. And then they have a sorting hat. York was extremely worried about not being put in Ravenclaw because he's like, my whole life would be a lie if I'm not in Ravenclaw. <laughs> and but the person working there will ask, you know, which one do you think you're in? And if you, you know, if you have an idea, that's the one you'll get sorted in because you know, just done on a tablet. So yeah. Uh, so when York found out he was still Ravenclaw, he was so relieved. I go, bro, it's it's a tablet. They just that's why they ask you because they just go ahead and pick that. And that's he's like, okay, good. <laughs> he didn't really even care. He's just like, okay, good. And then they had a place where you could pull up mandrakes and stuff, and um, they had an actual Dobby uh, puppet there, so that was cool. And a whole potions area where you can. It, it gives you instructions on what you, what things you need to push to create certain potions. And then once you get them all correct, the ladle and the cauldron starts spinning on its own and dry, you know, dry ice comes out. It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to think of what else. I had a couple other things. It was pretty neat. And then a big giant store. So um, that had a lot of stuff from the new Batman. 
but it's all stuff you could find out like to me it looked like it was all stuff that you could find out like hot topic or target or walmart like you could find it anywhere so i'm like no. i didn't actually get any batman stuff i just got yeah yeah i just got uh i just went and got warner brothers swag since you know i know i can only get it there so and then afterwards we met our friend and uh past and future guest uh trish c we met her her and her family for lunch um at a taco place in their neighborhood that's their favorite place to go to mainly for drinks uh but the food also we enjoyed so and we just you know the kids talked their her kids talked to our kids and i talked to their kids and we just had a great time just like two families meeting having lunch it was enjoyable didn't even didn't talk shop or anything so it was awesome and then uh went to trejo's tacos for dinner we also hit the hollywood sign that day and then sunday um Sunday, we drove by the Chateau Mormon because I was reading the book. And so I was really excited about going by. But it kind of comes up. You just kind of come up on it. And like, oh, okay. And so you drive around. You can't get in anywhere because it's kind of gated off. Not gated off. It's closed off. There's like hedges so high that you can't see any of the grounds, which is on done on purpose because that's part of the allure to it is that it's very private. Yeah. Um, and that's where a lot of things have happened where people have died people have had um there have been affairs there's people that have gone there for rehab there's just a lot of uh mystery and intrigue to that you know to that building that started out as an apartment complex out in the out away from the city off of a dirt road <laughs> that is now part of sunset boulevard and on part of the strip so it's very interesting uh, then we drove to Santa Monica, so we drove through Beverly Hills, and uh, I didn't see the Fresh Prince, and I did not, because uh, we also, no, Bel Air was a different day, um, but I didn't see uh, anybody from 90210, and I did not see Ken Wall from the Taking to Beverly Hills. It's a 1990, 1991 deep cut movie for very few people. Yeah. <laughs> and then we uh, we drove to Santa Monica, had lunch with uh Zach from two dollar late fee and his wife and son and had a great time and then went to the pier on the beach and then we went to Hamilton which was amazing Pantages Theater is pretty awesome um, Grayson made it through York made it through the entire thing Grayson made it two songs into the second act and then she was out because again second act started at eight o'clock which means it was ten o'clock here so right couldn't hang <laughs> but she still really enjoyed it then monday we just hit our you know the rest of the filming locations i wanted to hit uh, and so i got to go to nakatomi tower finally finally uh, apparently fox studios is just on the back part of it so it was like right there i'm like oh okay uh let's see we went there we trying to think of where else Oh, we drove on the way to San Diego. When we were driving to San Diego, we hit um, we hit uh, Torrance High School, which is where they used where they filmed Buffy the Vampire Slayer series, and uh, she's all that, and a couple other movies. It's actually a pretty big high school and big campus, um, but pretty cool. 
And then drove San drive to San Diego is actually pretty nice. And it's like nine, it's like almost maybe two hours. Um, and the traffic in LA was never overwhelming for me because I guess, I mean, their traffic's honestly not any worse than Nashville traffic. It's just, I mean, yeah, surprisingly, it's just not any worse. It's either we're getting to be just as bad as them or not even. Yeah, it's just or, bad. Even. Yeah, probably bad even. And, uh, but yeah, and then San Diego is real nice. Uh, so, uh, recently Morgan lives in a kind of, I guess you could say a suburb outside of San Diego proper, uh, called Poway, which is where one of my favorite bands, uh, Blink-182 is from. So I was very excited. Apparently Mark Hoppus's parents live like a quarter mile away from <laughs> where Morgan lived. Like, ah. uh, which then made me think, oh, we need to go get Sombrero because that's from a song from the song Josie that they recorded um, on their, I guess, first full, uh, if you count Dude Ranch as their first one, even though Cheshire Cat was technically first. Anyways, uh, so we went and had dinner at Sombrero and Ruth fell in love. She absolutely loved it. So, and I mean, I loved it too, but in the bathroom they have people have graffitied part of the, like a certain section of the wall mm-hmm. with all Blink-182 stuff. So it's actually pretty cool. And then uh, we did the zoo, the San Diego Zoo, which is definitely we got there right when it opened, and we left like seriously, like right before it closed. And I still think we missed some things. It's huge. And there's, I mean, you name an animal other than pandas, they because they I think they got rid of their pandas. Um, but other than that, they have pretty much everything it was pretty awesome it was a lot of walking but also they have like a a shuttle service you know take you from different parts kind of give you a break and then they have like a private tour thing not really private but you know they have a tour thing that you hop on and it takes you around show you know kind of slowly goes by different animals so which also was great and then wednesday we went to the different beaches uh, around the area uh, went to La Jolla Cove and saw the sea lions and seals just right there on the beach, just chilling. Um, it's uh, the mom. You couldn't get close to them because uh, the moms were there with their pups. And if you get too close, you know, the mom bombs might abandon their pups because, you know, yeah. uh, so you have to kind of be respectful and everything. But it was still really neat. And then we got to watch some people surf. Kids got wet. It was really, I mean, it was 55, 60 degrees, which meant that ocean was even colder. Yeah. They wanted to, they wanted to get in it. So I was like, y'all have at it. I'll be back here. <laughs> Just don't go out too far because that's some choppy waves right there. Yeah. But they had a blast. And then uh, the last place I wanted to go to, because I wanted to hit at least one Top Gun. Uh, filming location because i found a website that had all five and uh that had at least five of them that were there and i wanted to at least hit one so we went to the on our way to the airport we went to downtown to kansas city barbecue and i parked the car once i found parking because there's no parking in front of the restaurant um so i walked over there and everybody else just stayed in the car um and they've got all kinds of like 
memorabilia and stuff inside there. It's not a very big place by any means, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of cool because it makes it more int- intimate and uh, setting. But they had outdoor seating as well. So I went in, I ordered a pork sandwich and uh, to get it to go, just so I'd, it's not weird that I'm walking around taking pictures and and then walking out, you know. Uh, so I, uh, so while waiting on the food, I went ahead and, and took a bunch of pictures and and things. They got a shirt. They even have they had shirts for sale too. So that was cool. And they had the piano that Goose played on, played Great Balls of Fire on. So I got my picture near that. I wouldn't dare touch it. <laughs> like, I mean, you could, because I I feel like they still use that to play on. But I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, it's the whole show respect thing for me. <laughs> But no, it was awesome. It was a great experience. And then we flew back. We got back into Nashville about midnight. So, but on the way back, uh, York and I watched, uh, watched, we watched almost in its entirety, The Shining, because York and I have been trying to watch that. And it's hard to find time to do that without Grayson around. And so Grayson and I sat together on the flight to California. So that, you know, to be fair, York and I sat on the flight together on the way back. And so we ended up doing that. And uh, and so we got to watch it, but York was starting to get tired. Because, uh, again, not only did we have, go two hours back, but that Sunday was daylight savings, so we sprung forward an hour. Yeah. So that also screwed him up. And then we're coming back, to, <laughs> we're coming back and we're also going two more hours forward. So, A lot yeah. of time travel. Man, tell me about <laughs> it. And uh, so we had 42 minutes left in the movie, like right before, like, you know, everything's about to hit the fan. Yeah. And he's like, Daddy, I know it's about to really get good, but I'm already about to fall asleep. I said, OK, that's fine. We can watch it another. We can finish it up another time. That's cool. He's like, I'm sorry. I said, don't apologize. You go do that. I started watching No Way Home because it dropped on iTunes. Yeah. And I already had it downloaded. <laughs> I'm like. It's fine. I'll watch this. Yeah. Um, so we still got to finish that, but I guess he's enjoying it. Hadn't really said one way or the other, but we discussed about how uh, it's like, are you starting to notice the different scenes from Ready Player One from this movie? And he's like, yeah, 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 a lot. So did fast forward the uh, crazy lady in 237. Yeah. It's like, we're going to hit the 15-second button about three or four times, and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, the seventies, but and that was our trip. An amazing time. Took Thursday off to do a crap ton of laundry and a couple loads of dishes. I don't know how we had dishes, but we had dishes and, uh, yeah, do a little bit of resting. I still am not fully recouped from it. Uh, went back to work for two days and I was cranky on Saturday. It was not good. I kept telling everybody Friday, uh, I was told I'm supposed to be excited to be back. <laughs> I don't know if that actually, uh, yeah, I'm sure it made everybody feel great, but I'm like, it was told I'm supposed to be happy to be here. Yeah. Kind of not because it's cold. Sun's not out. No palm trees. What's this? Y'all had snow. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you hit it out right before that. (laughs) Yes, I did. Yes, we did. New York was mad, too, because one of our friends said it's a picture of her drive in. And then York's mom sent him a couple pictures of their backyard. 
He's like, I can't believe we're missing actual snow this time. I said, yeah, but York, look, there's a beach. <laughs> One way. Yeah, still. Yeah. Still. I'm like, all right, well, don't dwell on this because it'll be gone tomorrow, I bet. And literally, it almost was. Like, our streets were clear. I think there's still, like, the, the grass still had it, but then by the end of the weekend, it was gone. That's awesome. Yep. Fun times. It was just clear. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm done rambling about our trip that, uh, you know, that we had a blast. And again, thank you to Trish for hospitality and sharing the sharing your local favorite restaurant and to Zach also for, for sharing one of their favorite pizza places to go to. Yeah. Uh, also local. I, I, that's what I kept telling him. I go, we're just happy you guys chose a local place that you enjoy. Cause we can go to chain places anytime. So we, mm-hmm. we want to see what y'all like and what's good. Right. Cause if anybody's going to know, it's going to people that going to be the people that live there. So <clears throat> but both uh, Zach and Trish say hi, send their best, and Zach can't wait to talk Top Gun in a couple months. Hopefully. 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 Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that should have been out. Done been out. They got to yeah. quit playing. <laughs> quit it's crazy playing. that Morbius will be out before it. That's that's the, that's, that's the craziest thing. Dang. Dang. Still, still not sure about Morbius, you know. It's not. It's not yep, yet, it, so we'll see. I mean, April Fool's Day. <laughs> yeah, it's the perfect day for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's more foolish, the fool or the fool that goes to watch it? <laughs> I'm <will> tell. <laughs> Only time will tell. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, what do you got TV wise, real quick? Um, recently the new season for Upload came out, season two. It's only seven episodes, but picks up where season one left off. And I thought it was pretty decent. I feel like if maybe if it was a full 10 episodes, maybe the last couple episodes wouldn't have felt. To me, it felt kind of rushed. Like they just kind of try to get to the end and it ends on a cliffhanger, which they still could have done. But if they had more meat at the end. Maybe it would have had a bigger impact, but it leaves room for the next season. Um. Still watching Bel Air, which is it's getting pretty good. It's got two episodes okay. left, and there's a new show, new series on Apple TV Plus with um, Samuel Jackson, Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. Yeah, been watching that. Basically, he's a man with dementia, takes this experimental drug that helps bring his memory back, and he uses he's kind of using that time to try to figure out what happened to his nephew because his nephew that was taking care of him gets murdered or dies. And so with his memory back, he's trying to put the pieces together of what happened there and this treasure that he supposedly was left with and trying to figure out where that's at. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll check it out. uh, Also has Dominic Fishback, who was in, um, I had the name in my head, uh, with, um, movie with, uh, Jamie Foxx, Project Power. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, Judas and the Black Messiah was in that as well. She's pretty good in this also. It's only six episodes, so it's two left. Okay. But so far, so good with that. And I think that's it as far as what I'm currently watching. Okay. Uh, I wrapped up Pam and Tommy, which that sounds <laughs> phrasing. Phrasing, um, yes. Phrasing, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
guess I'm uh, you wrapping up and so uh, just, you up. <laughs> yep, true story. Uh, no, they it as I finished watching this, there were parts of that. Sh- there were times watching this, I'm like, I think I'm kind of done with this. But then as it's wrapping up, I'm like, this was surprisingly better than I expected. The acting is outstanding. Like, Willie James as Pam Anderson's awesome. And Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee is, I, I honestly don't know who else they could have picked, yeah. to be honest. I, I mean, he was perfect. Perfect. And he's such a great actor. And he was great in it. And then, you know, Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen, but, you know, but in a more dramatic kind of way. Um, but it, it was really good. And it really made me like my heart went out to Pam Anderson the entire time. Cause she was just an innocent, you know, victim in this Tommy Lee is a douche. So he kind of, a, he's a victim of his own devices, you know? So that's, yeah, you know, he's his own worst enemy. Yeah. As time has proven over and over again for him. Um, I'm not saying what, what uh, Rand Godier did was right, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't feel bad really for Tommy Lee, um, Carmen, all that. Um, but it, it was, it was fun to watch. Yeah, it was fun to watch. Um, I finished watching suspicion on Apple TV plus, I really liked the first few episodes and there's only like eight episodes. So I feel like six and seven kind of staggered a little bit. And then the last, the final episode, I was just like, this is not the payoff I was wanting. (laughs) It's, I mean, it wasn't bad. It was still a decent show, but it's not that the payoff wasn't what I was expecting or kind of hoping for, I guess is a good way to put it, but it's still worth watching though, for sure. Um, Then I started watching uh, We Crashed on Apple TV Plus with Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto as the uh, story, the fictionalized story of, or I guess I should just say the narrative story of the WeWork uh, rise and fall. So uh, about three episodes into that. Pretty interesting. Not bad. Jared Leto is being... You know, does really great at playing weirdos with accents. So he's he's doing fine <laughs> in this. Uh, yeah, it's it's okay. Um, and then I watched HBO's HBO Max's uh, DMZ based on the Vertigo graphic novel or graphic novel or just comic book run of DMZ, written by Brian Wood and. This was next to Why the Last Man. This is my favorite trade. Like this is my favorite comic book series. It had a ten trade, so roughly about sixty episodes or sixty issues run. And I was like, this should be made. This is something that could last multiple seasons, much like The Walking Dead. And because there's so many very so many interesting characters with interesting backstories they could really go somewhere with this. So when I watched the trailer and noticed that the main character, Maddie Roth from the 
comic book story <laughs> is not even in the show, I red flags kind of went up for me. I'm like, yeah. what on earth are you doing? So they took one of the side characters, one of the supporting characters, um, that Rosario Dawson plays, uh, plays Z, or Alma is her real name, but she goes abbreviated her last name to just Z, or not last name, her middle name, and just goes by Z. And it's about her trying to get her son away from their father and get her get him out of the demilitarized zone because the civil war had broken out and split up Manhattan. So there's the free states on one and then the United States on the other. And the DMC is like essentially kind of like a war zone between two rival gangs, um, Parco Delgado and Wilson Lynn. And uh, Parco Delgado is played by Benjamin Brad. And he's trying to, essentially take over the entire DMZ and rule that, but he's backed by the military for the United States, whereas Wilson's being backed by people from the free states. And Z is in the middle trying to just get her son out to the free states and get him, you know, basically get him away from his life of crime. But they've been there for a while because he was like a middle schooler and now he's like a grown adult. So it's four episodes, and that is it, start to finish. And it's a small, contained <laughs> uh, story out of a greater comic book series. And for what it is, if you did not, if you are completely unaware of the comic book series and just watched this little mini series. For you know this four episode one hour miniseries, it is it's well done, but you want I th- I feel like you're still wanting more from it. Like, well, what's going to go? What's happening? What's going to end up happening after this? Or how did we get here? In which the comic book series explores and could do. So it's just one of those things that I w- I feel like I don't know if it was a DC decision or a Warner Brothers decision. Somebody decided we don't we want to do this, but we don't want to do like multiple seasons of it. We'll give you four episodes. Maybe figure maybe, out what to do. Maybe it'd be some um oh, what is it? Um uh, I can't even think right now. But maybe something happened where they'll decide to continue it. Maybe. And then go back and tell Maddie's story. I mean, because I honestly thought, okay, they're gonna do one season where it's like a prologue. Mm-hmm. This is like the prologue before he gets dropped as a as a reporter to report on the DMC and everything. And he because he was only supposed to be dropped in to do like a couple interviews and then catch a ride back out, but there but the helicopter gets shot down. He's stranded. It's kind of the gist of it. How he wound up stuck there and meeting all these different characters and people. And the reason one of the reasons why he never dies because he's a journalist and uh you know he's. Not for either side, so he's just so they kind of more or less leave him alone until he st- steps out of his role. <laughs> I guess a good way to put it. He doesn't know his role. Yeah. <laughs> so it it's yeah it's interesting. It, it I mean I love the series because he's very he's a very Mandy Ross a very flawed character and you're just like what you know he does some very doofus 
kind of things, but he's also kind of funny and, and you know, has a good heart, but you know, sometimes you question his decisions. <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, I recommend, I definitely recommend the comic book run, um, high school and up. It's not for younger kids at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the show was okay. I, I for what it was, I was ha- I was okay with it. I don't know if I'll rewatch it, but I, I really hope they just don't leave it with just that. Yeah. So we'll see, I guess. <clears throat> All right. We got to hurry up and talk some movies because we also have our Oscar preview. So uh, let's get into it. Future presentation. You and I both watched The Adam Project, available on the Netflix. I was not... I don't want to say I wasn't looking forward to it. I'm just like, I wasn't, like, hyped that when it came out. Like, I still waited, like, several days before even attempting to watch it. Uh, After accidentally crash landing in 2022, time-traveling fighter pilot Adam Reed teams up with his 12-year-old self for a mission to save the future. I think if uh, Avengers Endgame taught us anything about time-traveling, it was that Back to the Future is full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, kind of the way I've approached time travel now is every movie is going to have its own thing. We don't... There's no reason to believe that time travel should be holding be beholden to one universal set of rules it should be whatever you want it to believe right with that being said this movie definitely is beholden to its own set of rules and not not anything you've seen in any other movie True. <clears throat> like interacting with your prior self you know influencing things that are going to happen in the future Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So, with that being said, um, I did not dislike this movie. It is PG thirteen with a runtime of one hour forty six minutes, so it's sweet spot time wise. Yeah. Um, does star Ryan Reynolds as Big Adam, Walker Scoble as Young Adam, who Ruth says looks just like Ryan Reynolds. She's like, that could be. She looks just, like he looks just like him. He could. Definitely be his kid. I said, well, he's just playing a younger version of himself, so good job on casting. Right. Uh, Mark Ruffalo as Lewis Reed. Jennifer Gardner as Ellie Reed. Zoe Saldana as uh, Laura. Catherine Keener as Maya Sorian. And uh, Alex Maliari Jr. as Christos. It is uh, written by Jonathan Tropper and directed by Sean Levy. Not the same Sean Levy that wrote my book on uh, Chateau Mormon, but the same Sean Levy that directed Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. (laughs) And who's going to go on to direct Deadpool 3 with (laughs) Ryan Reynolds. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, you know what? Marty had Leo. And De Niro. Sean Levy can have Ryan Reynolds, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, so I didn't 
this if this was just a movie you and I were just going to go watch, I probably wouldn't like it. Yeah. But as I'm watching this movie, and, and I don't want to say don't like it, I wouldn't like it as I wouldn't appreciate it as much as I do because I'm looking at this as a through the lens of is this a family movie? Okay, if it is a family movie or even just a kids movie, how how is this movie? How well is this? How good is this movie set with those kind of ideas in mind? If that makes sense, instead of just like two adults watching a movie that's probably just not made for them. Yeah, but has actors we both like. Yeah. So with that being said, I watched it and I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, I definitely have problems. There's definitely, you know, the pod armor is not strong on this one. <laughs> no. It 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 uh, melted in the entryway into the atmosphere. Um, but that's okay because if you if you're like me and you remember watching movies similar not similar but watching family movies like this from the 80s there were plot holes left and right but we didn't care because it was just fun to watch yeah and as a kid you're not really that concerned with plot you're more concerned with is this entertaining yeah keeping your attention and yes yeah because if you think about all kinds of times in goonies where they could have easily just escaped and gotten out but you're not thinking about that because you're thinking about how much fun it is and following the map and doing all these other things. Yeah. Anyways. So <laughs> this movie's kind of, and I'm not trying to compare this movie to Goodies, just trying to use that as an example. So the, the only issue I had was, I mean, yeah, it's PG 13, but it seems like it's trying to be a family movie <clears throat> in its humor and, how it's kind of being shot and just the storyline in general of having to meet your younger self and looking back at how you were as a kid and trying to make yourself as a kid a better behave, you know, better towards your parents, you know, in kind of a way. Like, don't be such a pain in the ass to your mom. She's been through a lot, but you're seeing that as an adult. It's kind of like, what would you do if you had to interact your, you know, your 12 year old self, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And what would you say to them to not be such a pain, you know, to, you know, from your childhood and go, you know what? I probably could have been better. You know, all the things you're like as a parent, especially if you're a parent now looking back and going, oh, yeah, I did the same thing with my mom. I need to apologize to her for that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah, that's I could have handled that better, just because I wish so and so handled it better. You know now, yeah. so it's you know all those looking back and wishing, you know, because you have a different you're through you know looking at it through a new lens, True. and that's kind of what a lot of this movie also kind of deals with. Other than trying to get back to his actual time, his dad apparently Ruffalo's character apparently discovers time travel without actually realizing that's what he was doing. Yeah. Then they, it gets taken for nefarious uses, I guess is a good way to put it. So older Adam is coming back to try and fix it. Yeah. And find his wife. So. Yeah. Cause he's supposed to went to 2018, but ends up in 2022. Yeah. So 
But I don't remember what the difference would have been going back four years further. But... Uh, I think it's just because his wife was stuck in 2018. Okay. Okay. And that's why he was going back to get her. And uh, how to prevent what happened. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was fun. Like I didn't, I didn't really have expectations, um, which I tried not to have expectations with anything I watched because it, it just kind of ruins the experience, especially if it's not, doesn't meet your expectations. But, um, you know, it's Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds. And then you got um, his younger version, pretty much, you know, the act, actor playing the younger version yeah. of the character. I think he did pretty good, you mm-hmm. know, considering. And um, <clears throat> I wish there was a little more Zoe Saldana. <laughs> but yep. But for the purpose of the story, it makes sense. And, you know, and it proves that if you go back in time, or at least in this story, going back and interacting with yourself doesn't cause some kind of cataclysmic issue right. with the world. You know, you can talk, interact, touch, high-five, hug, or whatever, and it won't crash the universe and or make it implode. Um, right. But yeah, it, it is something about... Like, see, like, even though he sees his younger self and the things that he did, maybe trying to have him act better, but it's like, if you change it, will you still be who you are now? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, yeah. too, that's kind of why... Um, why when those bullies came up to him, his older self didn't intervene because he's like, well, no, he needs to, you know, he's, they're not going to, he doesn't want to fight. Trust. He's like, trust me, he's not going to want to fight you. Just, you know, look mean like you're going to, you know, like you're going to kick his butt and then uh, he'll want to, you know, then help back off. And then he ends up getting cold, you know, gets knocked on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, start, you know, it looks like he's getting ready to cry, then runs off. Because he's upset because he didn't, you know, his older self didn't intervene. Yeah. And then his older self ends up putting the bully up against the wall and then say idle threats. <laughs> I guess good way to put it. Yeah. And so, uh, <clears throat> you know, to try and teach himself a lesson because he still needs to learn to stand up for himself. But, uh, but at the same time, you know, he's not going to let the bully get away with it either. So. Yeah. So he, he interferes, just not directly. You're right. <laughs> Direct interference. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and I forgot who I told this to, but I did say, I said, it is, it is the best Ryan Reynolds Netflix movie. Because if you look at Six Six Underground and then Red Notice. I haven't watched that yet. Haven't watched, haven't watched Six Underground yet. Yeah. But between Six but yeah. Underground and Red Notice. Adam Project's Ryan Reynolds' best Netflix movie. Probably because it's, it's directed by Sean Levy. Probably. <laughs> but, you know, and he... You know, he was being quippy, but he wasn't being... As quippy that as, line. <laughs> he, he did, I mean, he was a lot more reserved. And I think... I think uh, the fact that, you know, really in Free Guy, he doesn't do that. Because he's playing a different character. Yeah. And so there's not as much of that. So I think to Sean Weeby's credit, he's able to be like, listen, we're not going to have all that. You know, you have other attributes that'll, that you can shine in and be charming. And, you know, that people will like from this movie. We don't need you being Quippy McQuipperson. Like in Red Notice. We don't need all that. So. Contained him. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and two, you know, my 12 year old Adam was trying to be that. Yeah. But 
you know, adult items like, listen, quit being such a dick to your mom. <laughs> Pretty much, you know, it's maybe not be mean. So, and then as you can tell, as he's older, he's that's not there. So, it, yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think York would like it if you watched it. Um, I think Zach watched it with his son, Bodie, who's same age as Grace, and they're both seven and a half. And they didn't, he's like, he liked it more than I did. I said, well, that's probably for a reason. Yeah. So, um, I think if Zach went back, rewatched it with a different lens, he might enjoy it more or maybe not. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's not bad. It's not, I mean, it's not the best thing. I'd rewatch it though. Um, just see what, if I missed anything and the special effects were actually pretty good. So, you had some slight references to Star Wars. With oh, yeah, yeah. Lightsaber. <laughs> but I did like how, you know, the, the protagonists, the enemies in this, when they took them out, they just kind of disintegrated because they yeah. were out of their time. So, yeah. It blew up in a puff of colorful yeah. smoke. Glitter almost. Almost glitter, yeah. really. <laughs> it's yeah. like a space glitter or something. Yeah. That was cool. And then the way yeah. they time traveled, the little portal opens up and... It was cool. It's got, it's got a lot of good, good little things in here. Mm-hmm. You know, not going to be for everybody. Nope. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. It's perfectly fine. Like, even if I went in and didn't like it, you know, I wouldn't put anything bad against a movie. It's just, yeah. you know. Just one for you. Yeah. Uh, yep. Cool, man. Uh, you're up. So, I finally got to... Well, speaking of time travel, <laughs> I finally good got segue. to watch... Um, Minority Report, which originally released June 21st, 2002, so 20 years ago. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually 22 when it came out, but I never I never got to watch it. Um, runtime is two hours and 25 minutes, directed by Steven Spielberg. Stars Tom Cruise, Colin Farrell, <clears throat> Samantha two. Morton. Ha. Huh? I was going to say two actors who haven't aged in 20 years. <laughs> Crazy. Still look the same. <laughs> um, Max von Sydow. So in a future where a special police unit is able to arrest murderers before they commit their crimes, an officer from the unit is himself accused of a future murder. Um, I liked it. I feel like if I'd watched it then, I don't think I would have appreciated as much as I, w- as, as I did now. Cause like, I just, just think about if you can prevent crimes from happening, but you still arrest them. It's like, we stopped you from doing it, but we're going to arrest you anyway. That would kind of suck. It's like, you stopped me. Why are you going to arrest me? <laughs> exactly. I, I may have thought it, but yeah, I didn't it's... do it because you intervened. Um, but I did enjoy it. Yep. You know, did Tom you know... Cruise being Tom Cruise. Yep. Uh, Frank Grillo, uh, uh, Crossbones from... Uh... Marvel Universe was in it. That's a pre-crime cop, which I just now saw. I'm like, oh, okay. And then Neil McDonough, who I absolutely love, plays such a... He always plays such a great bad guy. Yeah. Always. I absolutely love him. He was... Uh, he plays Fletcher in the movie. It's based on a Philip K. Dick short story. And uh, it used to be... I don't... It used to. I, I really enjoy it. It's not one I could watch all the time. Um you you would have been proud of me because I I mean I've only watched it once but there is a scene with the eyeball 
watched it in the theater like that and braved myself <laughs> ever since then. I'm able to just look away during that part. I'm like, oh, we're to that scene. Okay. I'm yeah. going to go to the bathroom or go grab something. To drink. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great sci-fi. Like I really enjoyed it. Like the, but there's a lot of times you could kind of tell they're on a set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, especially like in the alleyways and stuff like that. Um, but it's just fun. I mean, it's a fun, fun watch. It is, uh, it is pretty interesting. And in the social commentary about, trying to stop, you know, what would happen if we actually had something like that? Yeah. You know, how would that actually work? How easy would it be to manipulate? And it's just, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, But I I did like it because it was, it was, you know, for Spielberg, that, you know, Minority Report's kind of a dark movie. It is. For for him. I mean, because he doesn't really make those kind of, just kind of dark themes and just, like even just the tone and the lighting and it's just, I mean, you would have thought it was a DC movie at some points, um, but for him, you know, it's for him. That's, it's pretty interesting choice to, to make it the way he did. Cause it's not really his style. So it was good to see him kind of get out of his element and kind of challenge himself with that. So, yeah, no, I, I, I really liked uh, minority reports. Great flick. If you haven't watched it, definitely watch it. It's, it's, except for the eye thing, but yeah, a little about sixty to seventy percent through the movie. So the crazy thing is, he lost one of his eyes, or both at the end, right? Eventually, he, he, the eyes he has at the end aren't his eyes. <laughs> yeah, switched them out so he wouldn't yeah. be able to scan them. Right. I was like, man, that sucks. But yeah, he's got them. Yep. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Oh uh, man! But um, then the next movie I watched was a movie that came out recently, uh, March eighteenth, twenty twenty-two. It's called Master. <clears throat> Runtime of an hour and thirty-eight minutes. Uh, directed by Mariama Diallo, and it stars Regina Hall as Gail Bishop, Zoe Renee as Jasmine Moore, and Amber Gray as Liv Beck- Beckman. Uh, it's about two African American women begin to share disturbing experiences at a predominantly white college in New England. So you got basically three different stories. Mm-hmm. One from Gail Bishop, who's the newly appointed master of Ancaster, an elite university in New England. <clears throat> and the uh, university is believed to be cursed by the ghost of Margaret Millette, who was accused of witchcraft and was uh, hung nearby. Mm. Pretty, pretty drastic. Yeah. And then you have... Um, uh, freshman Jasmine Moore, who happens to get room 302, that is occupied, well, that was originally occupied by Louisa Weeks, who was the first black graduate who committed suicide by hanging in that room. Of course. So these, yeah. So Jasmine and Gail kind of experiencing different kind of creepy elements. Like when Gail tries to get into her house, no matter how much she tries to turn the lock is not locking, unlocking or opening the door. So she calls grounds to try to get somebody to lock the door. And while she's on the phone, the door opens. I'm like, that's clue one that you don't need to be there. <laughs> and then when Jasmine arrives for kind of like how we have our move in, you got people, kids, mm-hmm. students around helping out. So they check to see which room she's got. And they're like, oh, she's got the room. Instead of 
expanding on that and telling her, they just kind of look back at the room and just say, hey, welcome to Ancaster. That was her first clue to maybe you shouldn't be here. Right. But um, so Jasmine, you know, she's honor student. She's never failed. She's got a teacher named Liv Beckman who is accused of purposely giving her bad grades. But this teacher is also trying to get her tenure. And she has kind of like a secret history in her, as far as her upbringing. Mm. Um, but it's basically about Gail and Jasmine and their experience at the school as relates to either Margaret Millette, who was hung, or Louisa Weeks, who hung herself. Gotcha. And it kind of feels like um, how Get Out felt with uh, from Jordan Peele, but it's more this is college and okay. But um, the only thing with it is like the ending, it just didn't end kind of in a strong way. Like there was a reveal that happened toward the end. I was like, oh, getting interesting, but it didn't really go anywhere with it. And by the time it got to the end, it just felt kind of empty, even though there's a lot of things in the middle that that I really like. But you know, just one of those things where the ending just kind of doesn't the, the landing doesn't stick with the ending. Gotcha. And, yeah. But, I mean, for the most part, I think it's it's worth checking out if you got Prime Video, and then just kind of make up your own mind. Um, <clears throat> it was okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Friday, not this past two two Fridays ago, knew that uh, Turning Red was going to be coming out to Disney Plus. So at three in the morning because <laughs> I'm trying to get everybody up and going. I am on every single device trying to download the movie so that she can watch it on the airplane. Yeah. <clears throat> she doesn't only watch it one time. She watches it one and a half times on an airplane. And as of right now has watched it. She started watching this morning again while she was eating her breakfast. And she said that was her eighth time watching it. <laughs> wow. She so seven and a half year old loves turning red. <clears throat> I had not watched it yet because, you know, she'd been watching it while we were driving around or doing whatever. <clears throat> so I hadn't watched it yet. So last night I started watching it after she went to bed. And finished it watching it this morning. And it's really cute. Uh, it's an hour and 40 minutes long. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's about a 13-year-old girl named Mei Lin who turns into a giant red panda whenever she gets too excited. But the most basic of it. It is written and directed by Domi Shi. Stars Rosalie Chang as Mei Lin. Sandra Oh as Ming, her mother. Ava Morse as Miriam. Uh, Hyun Park as Abby. Maitri Ramakrishnan, Ramakrishnan as Priya. Warren Lee as Jin. Uh, Wei Ching Ho as Grandma. Tristan Alaric Chen as Tyler. Uh, Lori Tanchin as Auntie Chen. Uh, Sherry, uh, Sherry Cola as 
Helen, Lillian Lynn as Auntie Ping, James Hong as Mr. Gao. Uh, so this movie hits on a lot of social issues for teenagers. This movie, the way it's the way this movie is animated, the way it's portrayed, especially in trailers, it seems like it's for a younger audience. But really, this is more for your tweens and teens than it is for younger kids like Grayson's age. Grayson likes it, which is great, but I guarantee she doesn't understand what is actually what the message the movie is actually giving. Uh, so May wins or May, you know, they, as they, you know, she's referred to throughout the movie. May's, you know, turning 13 and, or has turned 13 and her family has a long history with this, uh, going all the way back to, you know, ancient times about having this spiritual connection with a red like with a mystical red panda and basically when a child reaches a certain especially the women in the family uh they reach certain age they turn into they have the ability to turn into a red panda especially when they get too excited uh not just uh like anxiety kind of thing but like if they get super happy they'll they could turn into it if they get super like when they're Feelings get to a heightened state, no matter what mood it is, they turn into a panda. And it's hard for them to try and keep that controlled and keep it contained. So it's about her. She wakes up one morning. She has turned into a red panda. She has a really strict mom. That basically, her kid can't do any wrong. If if uh, anything happens, is not her fault. It's because she, these kids are a bad influence on her like her friends or she has a crush at a boy that works uh, at a convenience store and her mom finds drawings that of this boy that may had uh, drawn because she's having a crush on him. And so she goes and the mom goes and confronts the boy at the convenience store and says, you know, you're not going to get your hands all over my daughter. You keep your hands to yourself and he's like, I don't even know who you are. I don't even know who this is. So, of course, girls there and these other kids from her school are there. And so she gets super embarrassed. And so, like, the next morning, she's a panda. She's an eight-foot panda. So she's in the bathroom trying to, you know, freaking out. And she won't come out. Her mom's like, are you feeling sick? No. Are you, uh, do you think you have a fever? No. She says, oh, my God are you experiencing a change? And she goes, yes, a really big change. So her mom thinks she's having her first period because she's 13 and that kind of change. So she yells at her husband and says, it's really happening. <laughs> like, oh, so she's like running right. around. She's going around with like a box of like feminine hygiene products and going to the bathroom. The, meanwhile, maids like hiding in the shower. Yeah. Cause she's terrified and scared. And it was really hard. And so I'm like, wow, this is the first. I could, I mean, for me, the first movie I remember ever hearing about a 
girl having her first period was my girl where Jamie Lee Curtis and Anna, Anna Schlumsky had to have that conversation. I had no idea what they were talking about. Cause I'm a boy also, you know, it's not really something we would know anything about, especially, you know, that age, but that's the first movie I remember ever knowing that subject being brought up or even talked about. So I find this very interesting that a, you know, that a Disney Pixar movie is discussing this sort of topic, you know, in a movie. Now, they're not getting into real, like, specifics by any means, but just the fact that they're mentioning it is yeah. very interesting and kind of groundbreaking. And, you know, when Ruth heard the title Turning Red, that's what she thought. <laughs> it's like, is this a movie about a girl having her first? I go, I don't think so. I mean, I haven't watched it yet, but that's great. And she's watched it multiple times. I think I said, I think it's just about, you know, she gets embarrassed, you know, when she gets super embarrassed, she turns red. Yeah. And then it also, you know, in the metaphorical sense, but also in the literal sense that she turns into a red panda. And so it happens when she's 13. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, where when kids get easily embarrassed by their parents, I mean, mine started young, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, it. So it's interesting that they bring it. Like I said, they don't really go into specifics about it. So for a good few minutes until you know the movie, the mom thinks that that's what's going on. So much so that you know when she's able to finally real calm down, relax, have some time to herself, and May turns back into a child. And is able to go, you know, goes to school, just sitting there during class, trying to, you know, trying not to turn back into a panda. And you see her, you know, uh, one of her friends passes a note saying your mom is outside and you can see her mom peeking behind a tree. And then the school security officer coming up and trying to tell her that she can't be there. She needs to leave. Yeah. She goes, but my daughter's in that classroom. She needs me. And basically embarrasses her by saying, you forgot your pads and shows up, you know, feminine pads. I was like, that's definitely the first time I've ever seen that in an animated movie. Yeah. Much less, much less just in a movie in general, especially when four kids, I said, this is very interesting. <laughs> I was like, I am really surprised Disney's allowing this to be honest, <laughs> but it's, I said, but at the same time, good on them. Cause at some point they're going to, you know, kids are going to have to, you know, kids will find out about it. Yeah. Especially, you know, teenagers. So, you know, that gets her, you know, obviously she turns it, she poofs into a giant panda. That's when her mom finally sees that that's what's going on. And so she's having to go, so May's having to run to the bathroom to, you know, to get away so she can hopefully turn back into a kid. And it didn't happen. So she ends up leaving school and then running off trying to go hide. Until she could kind of calm down and everything. Meanwhile, during all of this, her and her friend, May and her friends are trying to, this specifically takes place in 2002. It's a very specific time. They want to go, and they. this takes place in Toronto, Canada. And they are trying, They, her and her friends are really into this boy band called Four Town, even though there's five members. But they're really trying to, they want to go see them in concert, but obviously her mom's not going to take her to go see boys, much less boys in a concert. So, 
Absolutely not. So her and her friends conspire. Basically, they're going to have a say they're having a sleepover at one friend's house and then, you know, then go to the concert. But the tickets cost ridiculous amount of money. So May ends up using the panda as like a side hustle and to make money. Um, anyways, during the red moon is the only time they can basically use this spell more or less essentially what it is this ritual in order to extinguish the red panda from may and it happens to be the same night as the concert so it's may wrestling with always trying to appease her mom and saying her good graces or be her own person and you know be with her friends it has some funny moments, but it is not your typical Disney funny humor. Yeah. Uh, which is why I'm kind of find it interesting that Grayson likes it as much as she does. Um, but she, I mean, it is a, it's a great movie that deals with girls going, dealing with being a teenager with all the, uh, not only social pressures of being a teenager, but also the changes that you experience as a teenager, both hormonal, societal, plus, you know, family and trying to trying to find out who you are as a person, you know, especially as a teenager, who you are as a because you're not feel you don't you're not feeling yourself because your body's your body and your brain are all going through all these different changes. Plus, you're in high, you know, junior high. So you got all these societal things going on as well um so it's it's pretty like it's i like it because of all the all the things it hits on that kids are actually experiencing and it's really kind of a fascinating movie it's more than just oh it's a kid turning into a panda she's got to figure out how not to turn into a panda like there's so much more to it so many more layers to it so um, again, not for, I don't, I mean, Grayson likes it. So, you know, kind of gauge for yourself, I guess. Um, and just know that these topics are being brought up in this movie. So if that is something you really don't feel like having a conversation about or worried that your kid will end up having questions for, and you're like, I'm, we're not quite there yet. Maybe hold off on this one. Or have your, or just give some ex- random thing cause to deflect. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. But it is a very well done movie. There is also a making of featurette on Disney Plus that accompanies this. Um, you might want to watch that first because that it doesn't give any. I mean, you're not going to by watching the making of. You're not. It's not going to ruin the movie for you. It'll give you a lot of background into why the director chose this. Also, uh, Domi Shi, who wrote and directed this, also did the animated short Bao that won Best Animated Short some years back. I want to say 2018. Um, So if you remember that, she directed that one too. So this is her first feature length. But she's also done like storyboard art for, I think, Toy Story 4 and a couple other Pixar movies. 
but it's a very interesting feature out if you get a chance to watch it. It's a good accompanying piece. So, but I would definitely, I mean, I would recommend this. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> okay. It's finally time. Award season is wrapping up. Time to go ahead and give our Oscar picks, my friend. I'll do my best. <laughs> yep. And I, I told you this earlier. Last night I had a very interesting conversation with my mom who wanted to go through and talk about all of them because she uh, has seen all the best. She said she'd seen pretty much every movie except for Parallel Mothers, which that includes – that includes the animated ones. That includes, she even watched the Mitchells versus the Machines. And the only thing that bothers me about that is that I wasn't there to watch that with her. <laughs> but she loved it too. She thought that was a hidden gem that she wasn't expecting to, to like, but she really enjoyed. Um, what was another one she watched? That I was Oh, she watched No Time to Die. And I really wished I could have been there to watch. She goes, she, I didn't realize it was a James Bond movie until it started. <laughs> I said, that's okay. She says, I think it's a generational thing. Um, she goes, Sean Connery will always be Bond. I said, well, yeah. But and then we agreed that Roger Moore was probably a good close favorite. Because she thought he Roger Moore was more of a suave devonair Bond than Sean Connery. I was like, yeah. She goes, Sean Connery really wasn't a good looking guy. If you look a good looking man back then, so that's the accent. Uh, anyways, but she she liked it. She hadn't watched Free Guy or Shang Chi, or obviously Spider Man. She did she did actually watch Dune and uh, I was like and Drive My Car. She watched both of those. And I was just like, wow, own it. <laughs> I was like, okay, girl, that's I got you. Um. So I did end up watching since the last we talked it, even uh, the last episode I'd watched these, but I'm not going to talk about them because we don't have that kind of time, but I did watch West side story. I did watch with licorice pizza. I watched the lost daughter this past week. I watched uh, the worst person in the world. Cause it's available on iTunes and probably Amazon prime for rent. Uh, which is sub- I thought because it was Denmark, I thought maybe it might be English, but or at least dubbed, but it's not it's subtitled. Still good. Uh, the Hand of God, which is on Netflix, which I really enjoyed. I actually tried watching that on the airplane, but within the first fit, within the first ten minutes in the movie, there's just a boob just hanging out. Now, with that being said, the context of that is that she's a victim of domestic violence. And she's just sitting on the bed waiting for someone to waiting her for her friends to come and and uh, pick her up to take her, you know, remove her from the situation. Yeah. And uh, they have a boy that's a teenager, you know, so it's not a very it's not it's it's not to, meant to be anything sexual. It's, you know, at all. But to the boy, that's all he sees. Right. And, you know, it's probably the first boob he had seen before so he's so he's fixated on that and they're trying to get him to basically go get the car you know get get or go get her stuff um but yeah and there's 
Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'll watch this later because this lady sitting next to me is probably not going to want to see that. <laughs> and like, if it's within the first 10 minutes, there's probably more. And there was. There's there's quite a bit more. Um, but it's Italian and, you know, they don't they don't view nudity in movies the way, you know, the way we do in, in America. So to them, it's art to everybody. And it's not meant to be sexual for us. It's like, oh, my God. Because, you know. Yeah. They were probably like, oh, he's watching yep. porn. Yeah, like, exactly. Yes. And sit next to his daughter, too, who's watching a nice, wholesome animated movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I turned that off. I don't even remember what I put on. But uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so I, I had to wait till we got home <laughs> for me to watch that. But it was I, I one of my favorites, actually, uh, Hand of God. Turned out hand to God. That was actually one of my favorites. All right. Let's, uh, let's roll through this. All right. For best picture, let me get my highlighter here. For best picture, we have Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, and Dune. Oh, I'm sorry. And King Richard, King Richard. Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, West Side Story. For those that haven't looked on the Facebook group, I posted screenshots of my Excel file that I did with all the award shows until I realized I did not I did not include the BAFTAs. But I don't think that's really going to have... I don't think that's going to hurt or help by not having it on there. But I do have Golden Globes, SAG Awards, uh, Independent... Film Spirit Awards and the Critics Choice Awards. So those are all on there, and you can see who won for each category to see if you notice any trends in that. <clears throat> for my, while you're thinking, I'm going to tell you my pick's probably going to be The Power of the Dog. I think it's going to win. I just think it has momentum behind it. Um, I think that uh, I would love for Coda to win as a dark horse, but I don't think it will i want it to though because i i really think that's such a great film and such um and just something we haven't seen before so we've seen james campion make artsy fartsy movies awardsy movies for awardsy people but i think coda is something different and not something we'd seen before and really shines a light not only on um Children of deaf act or deaf actors, <laughs> children of uh, of deaf adults, but also um, just you know just what it's people that are hearing impaired uh, life is like for them, and obviously problems they could face. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go. <clears throat> you going with Coda? No, well, I'm going with Power of the Dog. I just the only problem is with that because it's going to factor into my next choice for director, and I don't. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna. I don't know. This is annoying. <laughs> oh, this is. Go ahead. I've seen everything except for Coda, King Richard, and West Side Story. 
So out of the movies that I have watched, I was going with Belfast. Okay. Considering the movie's basically led by a child actor who I feel yeah. did a pretty decent job, <laughs> and it's his story. Um, that just just out of what I've watched, I, that's just the one I felt was stronger for winning. Yeah. And I had another option, but I feel like that's going to win another category. So, yeah. Um, I hmm. did. I did like Power of the Dog too, but I don't know. I'm just. Just Belfast just, just stuck with me more. Yeah. You know what? I am going to go ahead and choose Coda. I don't even care. I'm going to choose Coda and this and for all the reasons I just listed. And then for uh <clears throat> I'll tell you why, because for best director, I think it's going to go to Jane Campion for Power of the Dog. Because um if you just look at how they vote and that it's a ranking and number system. The way, uh, if you listen to the episode that with my discussion with Rod Ori and how they choose, you know, the, you know, the movie that gets this no, certain amount of number one votes and then certain number of number two votes, they have some sort of weird algorithm that gives you the best picture thing. Whereas best director is just everybody picks their number one, like who they think best director is. So, so that's where, and that's why we haven't gotten a best director, best picture uh, pairing in a long time. And that's why I'm picking. So I chose Coda over Power of the Dog because best picture and best director hasn't won together. Like it's Bong Joon, Bong Joon Ho won for Parasite and for, uh, and won for best picture. So, but you, it hasn't. It's been more infrequent in yeah. recent years. So. So that's why my best director pick is going to go for Jane Campion. Hmm. You know, I agree with that. Okay. Especially the visuals and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, for best adapted screenplay, we have Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, The Power of the Dog. I think this might be where The Lost Daughter gets gets a win but drive my car also mine but I think I'm going to go ahead and go with the lost daughter I'll roll with drive my car on this one okay <laughs> you're, you're roll with drive my car <laughs> yep I'll roll with it <laughs> okay uh, best original screenplay we have Belfast don't look up King Richard licorice pizza the worst worst person in the world um. Hmm. That one's gonna be a tough one. It's because the screenplay for Belfast is good, but so is the one for Licorice Pizza because it's more of a series of vignettes. Yeah. Um, but the worst person in the world's actually pretty good too. So <sighs> I haven't. Mm. So I can't. Yeah. So I've only seen Belfast, Don't Look Up, and Liquor's Pizza. Uh, I wanna go I'll go with Belfast on this one. Over Liquor's Pizza, which is Yeah, because yeah. Belfast is more of a personal story with Kenneth Branagh. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say passion project, but he's got more yeah. invested in the story because it's basically right. him. Yeah. 
So yeah. Give Going it to Belfast. All right. Then uh, best actor Javier Bardem, uh, Benny Cumberbutton, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Spider Man. I mean Andrew Garfield, uh, Will Smith or Denzel. Will Smith has swept every every single awards thing, so it's kind of foolish for him not to win this. Like I, I don't see him not winning this. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, I mean, even though I haven't seen the movie, I've watched. Uh, Tragic Macbeth, but no, it's Shakespeare. Yeah. And, and Denzel was great, but yeah. this but everybody is else great. in the movie has accents, and he's just Denzel. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. that doesn't take away from the performance. Right. Um, uh, it's like, I want Denzel, but just, yeah. just looking at it, it's probably going to be Will Smith. Yeah. I mean, I want Andrew Garfield, but it's going to be Will Smith. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Supporting actor. Uh, Troy Kutzer for Kata or Kata for Coda, I think is going to win because again he has swept everything. Yeah. So uh, again, kind of one of those. I don't think he's not going to win. So uh, he's Tom picking Troy uh, Kutzer for Coda. But you also have uh, uh, Kieran Hines for Belfast, Jesse Plemons, Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons. Being the Ricardos and Cody Smith McPhee for Power of the Dog. Tough not have having not seen. Yeah. <laughs> or I ain't seen being a Ricardo either. Yeah. But um Well, J.K. Simmons performance was fine, but I didn't think Worthy enough to put him on the list, but it yeah. was fine. I was surprised when I saw that one, to be honest. Uh, I'm just going to go with Jesse Clemens. <clears throat> okay. Um, <clears throat> next, we have Best Actress. We have Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter. Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Um, I think Jessica Chastain's going to win this one. Uh, she's won, I think, twice. The Golden Globes and Critics' Choice. So, plus, hers was my favorite performance from all of last year. So. Hmm. I've seen none of these. Dun dun dun. So I'll go with the pattern. <laughs> Jessica Chastain. Okay. Um Best Supporting Actress, uh Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, uh Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst, aka the first MJ, <laughs> and Anjanu Ellis for King Richard. Uh, Ariana DeBose has swept the awards for supporting actress, so uh, easy pick for excuse me, easy pick for me. Plus, she was really good. Although Jesse Buckley was amazing in The Lost Daughter, um, my mom thought she should she should have been in the best actress category, but because it's one of those movies with told in flashbacks, so they kind of split the movie. 
Yeah. So, well, they probably think probably think she uh, had a better chance. The studio probably thought she had a better chance of winning in the supporting actress category instead of the best actress category. So that's probably why they did that. Yeah, she Judy Dance wasn't even in Belfast much. Mm-hmm. I guess Kirsten Dunst wasn't really either. It was more about Benedict. Yeah. I feel like I'm cheating just going with who's winning the most. <laughs> it's not cheating. It's just like, well, if you know this is kind of the trend, that's the whole yeah. point of me doing the spreadsheet every the past few years is to show like a trend of yeah. how not only vote and basically voters, I mean, uh, you know, fellow actors, people, you know, awards, uh, people in the academy, you know, that vote. This is kind of how they've been voting for their for the other award shows. So. And there's one of those not really sure if in much anything else kind of really changes. Yeah. So I'll go with the trend. Okay. Um, next we have best animated feature with, uh, Encanto flea Luca, the Mitchells versus the machines and Rye and the last dragon. So flea is nominated in three different categories, animated feature, foreign language film and uh, best documentary. And I had this interesting conversation with mom last night about this category. I don't think flea will win animated feature. I think Encanto will probably win. Yeah. Just because it's Disney and, you know, but I really want the Mitchells versus the machines to win because it is the most fresh and nuanced movie on here. That's true. And not only in animation style, but just in story and how funny it is. And yeah. Like both adults and kids. Yes. And so I feel like to me, that's the best one, but I feel like everybody's just going to pick Encanto because of the music. And it's the freshest one. (laughs) I mean, it really is. It's the most recent. Yeah. It's probably the one that's still in people's minds compared to everything else. That's, you know, it's been well. Flea is new too, but but it's know, un, it's not, not very accessible though. Yeah, yeah. Encanto would be the choice there. Yeah. Um, my mom really liked Luca. She's surprisingly, she really liked Luca. I'm like, I thought yeah. it was good too until Encanto came. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like yeah, it's 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 fine. If it's Encanto fine. hadn't come out and Luca was yeah. here by itself with others, then yeah, yeah but. I don't know. I liked Ryan the last. Dragon. Yeah, <laughs> right. I like Ryan the last dragon more than I like the other two. Uh, more than Luca and Encanto, but that's just me. I thought it was more fun, and there's a lot more humor in it in both you know them. But neither here nor there. All right. Fun. So, <laughs> best cinematography: Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog. Tragedy of Macbeth, West Side Story. Out of all these movies, The Power of the Dog, I believe, is the only one not using green screen. Mm. Which may, which really doesn't mean much because I love because I love Roger Deakins so much, but they use a crap ton for Blade Runner 2049. 
but what they did with it made it, you know, to make it look just uh, the way they were able to film the shots and everything and make it look like they didn't use a green screen. I think it's what helped it. So Doom may have that in its favor because I think they won. I feel like they won at least once for that. But Power of the Dog, I think, won the Critics' Choice for Cinematography. I'll probably go for Power of the Dog because it is a very pretty movie with its sweeping landscapes and everything like that. That's the one thing I think I actually really liked about that movie. Um, And everything else was just okay. So I'm going to probably go with that one. Uh, Let's say Dune. Okay. Now, if they put Nightmare Alley black and white version in this. Yeah. I would probably be saying that, but. Yep. And I definitely like the cinematography in that one. And even, and honestly, even in Tragedy of Macbeth, I liked it. Yeah. A lot too. I just said it was almost a set, but you know, it didn't really, I mean, it had to set feel. It felt like a, like a play. Yeah. Which is not nothing against it, Mm -mm. but especially the, the final moments. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Dune. Though that's that's probably what I like more about that movie. Yeah, considering I didn't pay attention to it being a two uh, first part of a two parter until the end. I'm like, oh, all right. Yep. <laughs> uh, next up, costume design. We have Cruella, Cyrano, Dune, Nightmare Alley, West Side Story. I want to go with Cruella. I think it won Critics' Choice, and it's literally the entire movie is what it is, is costumes. Yeah, all about <laughs> so, fashion. Yeah, it's all about fashion, so I think that was kind of an easy pick. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. All right. uh, best documentary feature, Ascension, which I did not was not able to find to watch. Attica, which is absolutely heartbreaking. Flea, which, again, also heartbreaking, but really... Really interesting. Summer of Soul and Riding with Fire, which I was not able to find. For me, it's either going to be Summer of Soul or Flea. Um, I, I'm going to choose Flea because I think this is where it's going to win. I don't think it's going to nominate for three categories and not win one of them. But Summer Soul is really well done. And I think it'll probably wind up being the one everybody ends up choosing but me. <laughs> so I'm choosing this is where I'm gonna say Flea when gets its gets its uh gets its win. And not only because of the actual story, but also because it's animated, which is not something documentaries are usually done, you know, style it's done in. But, you know, it's so that it's like a fresh take to how to do a documentary that you don't need it to be just either found footage or just, you know, interviews. It can be done, told in a different way. So. Yeah, I mean, I haven't checked any of these out, but if I'm going to choose one, I would say Summer Soul. Okay. One is on my list to watch. Yeah, and it's probably the smart pick, to be honest, Patrick. It's probably the smart pick. It's just, I, I just do not see Flea not winning one of these. 
And I don't think it's going to win international. And I don't think it's going to win animated. So that we use documentary, which it has a better chance at winning, I think, than the other two categories. Uh, Documentary short. Audible. It's about a high school football team. That is uh, all the students are deaf and hearing impaired. Same thing. But they're a football team that plays. I mean, it's a team that plays football. uh, And the entire high school is a hearing impaired high school. And the coach uses sign language and they do it. They there's a, there are certain parts of the, of the dock where they take the sound out when they play football. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. So you kind of experience what they experience. So it's really well done. Uh, it's, they'd won multiple championships and this, they're following this season where they're taking on this, this team that's uh that is not it it's just a regular high school for this championship and um are they going to win you know how they train how are they you know what, is, what would it mean if they did win all this stuff it's beautiful really well done i loved it uh it's something i hadn't seen before lead me home is about the homeless uh i don't think it's in los angeles but it's her i think it's in Canada, maybe? I don't know. Can't remember the city, but it's about homelessness, which is very interesting, really well. Some nice interviews on that. The Queen of Basketball is about the first uh, female basketball player to play professionally. Um, that was really cool and kind of inspiring to watch. Three songs for uh, Benazir. It's about a husband, uh, sings to his wife even though she thinks he doesn't have that great of a voice, but he does it to, because he loves her and trying to, you know, uh, while trying to find work and um, he really wants to become a soldier. And they're saying, you know, you can't basically, you're not going to be a soldier, you know, that his tribe's trying to uh, tell him not to go join, but he does anyways. Um, but it's interesting. And then when we were bullies, I did not, was unable to find, so I'm going to choose Audible just because that was my favorite to watch. Mm. All of these are you can find on, I think Weed Me Home might be on Netflix, but Audible, Queen of Basketball, three songs for Ben, ben Azir is all on YouTube. So them's my picks. Yeah. I don't really have a choice here because I haven't. I'm not familiar with the documentary short subject category, so it's all right. <clears throat> you just, I don't know, just take your finger I'll and point to one. Three songs for Benazir. Okay. Just to concept, the idea of there you go. singing, even though he doesn't yep. have the best voice. Yep. Uh, best film editing: Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, The Power of the Dog, Tick Tick Boom. I don't know. Uh, I actually forgot who won because I think there's only been one award show where they had editing. I feel like Dune won, but I can't remember. I'm just going to say don't look up. (laughs) Okay. Patrick's going with don't look up. I'll go with Dune on this one. All right. Uh, 
Best International Feature Film, Drive My Car, Flea, The Hand of God, uh, Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom, which I actually thought was cute, uh, The Worst Person in the World, which is, oh, it's Norway, not Denmark. Oh, well, it's up in that area. <laughs> it's up in that region. Um, which I ended up liking. Uh, some pretty interesting, it was an pr- interesting movie. Um, I still think Drive My Car is going to win because it's won everything. Yeah. So. But I like yeah, Flea a lot. Despite it's a 30-minute intro. It's, this is good. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, I liked all these other movies more than I like Drive My Car. <laughs> but it's going to win. So it's whatever. Uh, best makeup and hairstyling coming to America, which I think got shut out for best costume design but that's just me uh cruella dune eyes of tammy faye house of gucci um i still think i want to go with eyes of tammy faye although i think coming to america would be a good choice also i don't think anyone would go wrong with that i'm gonna roll with house of gucci okay Uh, next up, best original score. Don't look up. Dune, uh, Encanto, Parallel Mothers, and The Power of the Dog. I'm going to go with Dune because it's Hans Zimmer and he's the man. So must have not had a Christopher Nolan movie to score, so he was able to do <laughs> Dune. Right. Um, that's true. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang with the Encanto. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure Hans Zimmer would be the the B choice. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, best original song, "Be Alive" from King Richard. Dos Oregon or from Encanto. Out of all the movie, out of all the songs from that movie, that's the one. Right. All right. Uh, Down to Joy from Belfast, No Time to Die from No Time to Die, Somehow You Do from Four Good Days. I'm picking Billie Eilish for No Time to Die. She won the Critics' Choice. Yeah. Once I saw Beyonce was on here, I was like, man, that might win, but I've only, yeah, I'm going to go with the No Time to Die. Yep. Uh, Production design, we have Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, West Side Story. I think this is where West Side Story will probably win. Although I loved Nightmare Alley. Well, I'll go with Nightmare Alley. Okay. I mean, Dune may even win, but uh, some of these categories are a lot more difficult picks than I thought they would be. Once I start watching everything, I'm like, uh. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, best animated short, Affairs of the Arts, uh, Bestia, Box Ballet, uh, Robin Robin, and The Windshield Wiper. 
I have forgotten almost all of these. I just remembered I didn't think Robin Robin was that great. It's on Netflix. Um, some of these are on YouTube, and I think a couple might be on Netflix. But um, I'm going to choose Bestia. I'll say Affairs of the Art. I like the title. Okay. There you go. <laughs> that's how, and that's how most people pick these. <laughs> Best live action shorts, a la Kachu, uh, Take and Run, The Dress, The Long Goodbye, On My Mind, Please Hold. Out of all of these, I was the only one I was able to find was The Long Goodbye, and that's the one that Riz Ahmed uh, produced and starred in, but did not direct but he produces start in and that one's on YouTube. It starts out as one thing. It's 11 minutes long. It starts out as one thing and it ends completely different. Oh my. Yeah. Well, this is weird. <laughs> this is the choice. I'm like, all right. But since that's the only one I've been able to watch, that's the one I'm going to probably choose. Plus it has a little bit of star power behind it. So it probably has a greater chance. Uh, random pick, please hold. Okay. Um, next, best sound, Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, Power of the Dog, West Side Story. I'm going with Dune because it's the loudest. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's just that simple. Yeah. You can go with that, too? It just, it just sticks with you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And then lastly, best visual effects. Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, Spider-Man No Way Home. Dang. Right? A lot of CGI. So. Yep. Uh, Indeed. Man. For me, it's between Shang-Chi and Spider-Man. Yeah. Battle of the Marvel movies. Yeah. You know, Spider-Man, the Doc Strange scene where he's going after Spider-Man. That's cool. Yeah. But I'm going to go with Shang-Chi. Oh, okay. I'll go Spider-Man then. So at least both of them are represented in our show. (laughs) All right. That's our picks. They are locked in. I have them written down for both of us. (laughs) Um, But we both, you know, even though we're covering it here, Please go to the Facebook fan group. Uh, Sunday, I'll have, uh, I'll actually here shortly, I'll put a ballot up that you'll be able to download and print off from the uh, one we us- the site we usually use, the Gold Knight, goldknight.com. You can also just go there and print off your own, or I'll have it to where you can print it off from our page and make your picks again. Like every year, uh, we have our little friendly competition of who can get the most right and then whoever gets um whoever wins that competition will get some actual real swag this year um from our store so uh please hop in and you know print one off uh everything needs to be submitted by well what well we'll just say noon um either have it posted on the group page or um or you can email it to us uh Excuse me. Or you can email your submission 
to parentaladvisorypod at gmail.com. So either parentaladvisorypod at gmail.com or fan group page and send us your picks so we have that in. So 12 noon this Sunday, March 27th, it'll be uh, on ABC like it usually is. And we will see who wins. Best luck to everybody. And uh, to wrap it up real quick, uh, Trailer's new Sonic 2 trailer is out. Um, new Sonic 2 trailer is out. The trailer for Puss in, Bo- Puss in Boots 2, The Last Wish, is out. And then for TV, uh, they finally dropped the trailer for Miss Marvel, which looks awesome. And I already like I already like the style. Like it's already different from anything Marvel's done TV wise, and I love it. So yeah, I'm I'm on board. And then uh, the trailer for the new Obi Wan series that drops in May or May 25th. Uh, Miss Marvel drops June 8th. And then also the Halo series for video game people drops March 24th on Paramount Plus. So that's what we got. And this concludes our very long episode uh, where we gave you kind of made up for not being on last week. So kind of a double episode in one where we had our normal episode plus our Oscar preview. Uh, Have fun. Send us your ballots. And we hope everyone has an amazing week and uh, amazing Oscars. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.